have got to give God some of your time back every day. He gifted it to you. What's wrong with you giving him just a little slice every day, hour? Maybe start with a half hour, but give him something back. Welcome to the Hope Baptist Podcast for September 30th, 2018. Today, Bill Tucker will be finishing up the series titled, Now What?, with his sermon titled, Old, But Not Done Yet. Ought to be very interesting. Afterwards, check out our website at HoughtonBaptist.org. A lot of information about things going on in the church, including... Pastor Appreciation Day coming up soon, and also a citywide worship night. Definitely want to check that out. If you haven't been to our church, come check us out. We'd love to have you. Come as you are. We do. Enjoy the podcast and have a great day. We're going to do old but not done yet. Now, I could have taken this a couple different ways when the pastor asked me to preach this message. Uh, I'm preferring to uh, emphasize the part not done yet because I think I barely qualify as old. Many of my elders have told me that when I say, oh, something hurts. Oh, you're not old yet. So I know, I know David didn't mean anything by it, but uh, I will hold it against you. It's all right. It's all right. Now, why, why didn't I get the... Assignment next week, what is it, I'm the greatest? Now that would, that would have done my ego some good. <laughs> but anyway, I think he was profiling, and that's all right. He, he, he is pretty accurate. All right, before the wheels fall off, let's pray. Wonderful plan you have for each of us. It's an amazing plan, living a life that glorifies you. This particular message is about finishing strong. And as we look at your word this morning, may we be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week, one of the things Pastor David did was he asked for a show of hands. And if I remember correctly, it was for anybody that had been a Christian for 10 years. Are those people still present or some of them? Can you just raise your hand? All right, now you can put them down. Now I want to ask this question. How many are here that have been a Christian for 30 years? Now, as painful as it is, will you keep them in the air just a minute? I know it hurts. I know it hurts. Rotator cuffs are a bear, aren't they? All right, the rest of you, I want you to just look around a minute and see some of those people with those hands still up. Okay? Well, this message is for them today, but guess what? If you eat right, exercise, and don't smoke, one day you too will be able to raise your hand. And stick with, and I hope that's true. I hope that's true for every one of you young folks. So don't go to sleep and nod off. There's some good stuff in, for, in this for you too. You know, to be sure, I've made an arbitrary choice of this 30 years thing to define the older, mature Christian. But the, the emphasis, not so much the age, is more the maturity aspect of it. Because you can, you can be a Christian a long time and not get very far along the road of maturity. Or you can be a rather young Christian that has really kind of put your 
nose into the God's Word and maybe some life experiences kicked you around and you grew up. Proverbs 2, six it says, For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. And I don't know about you, but that's a goal I have. Um, and, I, and I aspire to that. Uh, I have some days that are better than others. Uh, King Solomon reached this conclusion when he wrote the proverb, after a lifetime of chasing happiness and fulfillment in all the ways you could possibly think of today except the right one. Uh, in other words, he learned this the hard way. And maybe all of us learn some of these things the hard way. I don't think God wants it that way, but we tend to insist on having it our own way. And I can tell you from experience that will be the result. You'll learn it the hard way. I'd like to summarize God's plan for our life, if I could for a moment, because if we don't really understand that plan, we don't know where it is we're starting or where we need to go to. Obviously, point one, we're saved. At a point in time, we respond to the gospel message, accept salvation by the work of Christ on the cross, and in that we have a restored relationship with God the Father, a relationship that's been broken for around 5,000 years or so. Uh, that's a long time to, to take to patch up a relationship. Second thing we're called to do is to grow up, to grow and serve. The goal of our new believers is to grow in the grace and the knowledge and wisdom of Jesus Christ. And as we grow, we identify the spiritual gift or gifts that God has given us, and we all get at least one. Sometimes over time, we're given additional ones or they change. And then, of course, we're, we're supposed to do this for a lifetime. And I can assure you this, I looked, I looked really hard. There are no shortcuts. You have got to give God some of your time back every day. He gifted it to you. What's wrong with you giving Him just a little slice every day, hour? Maybe start with a half hour, but give Him something back. That's the one thing He gives you, not your money, that is of infinite value because once it's gone, it's gone. So I encourage you there. The resultant wisdom that you get in your soul does end up bringing maximum glorification of God and great blessing to you, the believer, in time and in eternity. There are crowns when you, when you uh, reach maturity, uh, crowns of life and righteousness, and, and we can do a whole message someday on crowns, and I'm not talking about the one I'm going to get in a few weeks. So now that we've got the plan of God summarized, to get saved, to grow up, reach maturity... And along the way, identifying what it is we can do and what God wants us to do as far as good works, good of intrinsic value. Anybody here, uh, perhaps one of the ladies, have the word Agatha as one of your names, middle name maybe? I know a few, but that's where this comes from. The word Agatha or Agathos is that very Greek word for good works or good works of intrinsic quality. Good works that are eternal. They're going to last. They're not going to fall by the wayside. The nicest house the carpenter will ever build eventually will fall down if it's not maintained. That kind of thing. So now let's move on to to what exactly does maturity look like. And it's not a physical quality. Okay? Um, I'm thankful for that. I don't know about you, but I am. But one thing a mature Christian does is they spend a maximum amount of that time God has given them filled with the Spirit. Now, what does that look like exactly? Is that 
manifest itself physically? At times it does. But it's really a condition of your heart whereby you, you do not leave a committed sin unattended. You take care of it. Okay, you confess it. You repent, which means change your mind and move forward. And sometimes we all have to do that a lot. Maybe a lot every day. Um, but it's imperative. You've got to move forward under the filling of the Spirit if you're going to get anywhere in this life. By being filled with the Spirit, we spend the maximum time of our life living out of who we are now, not who we were then. That is big. That is big. A lot of folks have walked in here with a ton of baggage. There's some today, I expect. You don't have to live that way anymore. That stuff does not need to define you anymore. In fact, I would argue you have an obligation to leave that at the foot of the cross. He died for it and walk out of here free. That is our goal for you today. If nothing else, you've got to walk out of here free. We've lived through periods of distraction, those of us along this path. We've made a lot of mistakes, but we have learned to confess and repent. We have developed a sense of confidence, if you will, and I don't mean arrogance, just confidence, because we know who has our back, and that's really critical. We've We've learned to both receive by God's grace and mercy and to hand out forgiveness. That can be a struggle for all of us. I guarantee you there's somebody in here that needs to forgive somebody, maybe themselves, today. Do that today. God's got you covered on that one. Don't let unforgiveness of something that's happened to you, something you've done, hold you captive anymore. It's not worth it. It doesn't mean it didn't matter. It doesn't mean that something bad is now good. No, it was bad. Don't let it hold you captive any longer. You're wasting some of that critical time that you cannot replace by being enslaved to your past. We've learned to put others before self. I struggle with that sometimes. Does anybody else here struggle with that sometimes? Yeah. Uh, I'm better at it than I used to be. I have a lot more empathy for situations. Um, I've shared this before, and this one's almost silly, but it was very true. I used to go into Walmart... And unfortunately, I'd usually pick the time of month that people got their Social Security checks. I start getting my next year. Thank you, you younger people, for paying that. <laughs> but it would be filled with these elderly people, maybe together, maybe apart, with a cart blocking every aisle in the store. <laughs> every aisle. I mean, and, and the ladies would go over and reach, and it was always ragu spaghetti sauce. They'd buy it every week. They didn't have to look at it to buy it. But they look at it, they read the label while you're trying to get through. Okay? Now that has caused me a ton of mental attitude sins over the years. But guess what? Now that I'm a little older and arthritis makes a visit to me every day too, that was high gear for them. They're going as fast as they can go. So I've learned and matured enough to cut them just a little bit of slack. Okay? You younger people here, your day's coming. Cut us a little slack too, would you? But we've recognized the temporary nature of all earthly things. I don't care how cool that car is or that motorcycle or some furniture or you name it. Um, Eventually, if you have kids, one of them's going to mess it up for you. And you're going to get really angry and upset. 
about it. Um, and all this stuff's going to go away. If left unattended, it'll go away really fast. And uh, I, I just spent $1,000 on my car fixing some rust over a wheel well. Does anybody else have rust over their wheel wells in the UP? Of course you do. Everybody does. But even at that, in another few years, that car is going to rust and go away. Uh, hopefully it's after I'm gone so my kids can worry about it. But, um, but that's what's going to happen to our early possessions. They will go away. Now, there's some good news about some of that. We are told in Scripture that ultimately God's going to come back and make all things new. Not all new things, all things new. So you might get that car back looking pretty good. So uh, it says all things. I don't know why I would include the car. And here's, a, here's another quality, and this, this I can vouch for because this one's never been hard for me. Um, I'm a cheerful giver. I love to share from the bounty God has provided. I love to, on occasion, sacrificially give to something. Um, I can tell you this, in addition to feeling good about that stuff, God has never um, dishonored me for that. At some point, usually pretty quick, he confirms that that was the right thing to do. So my wife, when the kids come to the door selling Kit Kats, she likes to steer them away, but she's kind of accepted that now in her maturity and just says, wait a minute, you want to talk to the old man. So, so I buy a lot of stuff that I don't need, but I usually give them away to people that maybe need them more than me. But, but it gives me great joy to give now. I am so tickled to give. I can't, you know, and I'm not bribing God. He doesn't need to be bribed. I don't think you can bribe him. But it's my response to, man, what he's done for me. He's given me all of it. It's not, none of it's mine anyway, right? So I'm telling you, that's a good place to be when you can freely give. Cindy and I were in ministry many years ago, flat broke, because that's how it's like in ministry for those of you who are thinking about it. That's how it is. Uh, God will sustain you, but it's like by that much. And it's good for you. It really is. You learn when you have to scramble to make ends meet, when when. You know, you're just barely making it when you can then look at members of your congregation in the same boat and fully understand where they're at. But we were in ministry down there. Things got real tight after a few years. Our, our savings that we had relied on to kind of carry us through dwindled and dwindled and dwindled. And one day when we needed some money, I get a card in the mail, or we do, from a little lady in our church in Gladstone, Michigan. That's the banana belt for those of you who never get out of here. Uh, down on that other lake, Lake Michigan. She was an elderly person in our church, wonderful lady, had monumental maturity and compassion, uh, you know, uh, just, just a fullness of life, knew who her Savior was, knew what she was about, but she was broke too. She had fixed income, her husband was gone. She scrambled to make ends meet. We opened this card, here's a $200 check, and this is like 15 years ago. And it says, I count it all joy to give you this. Now, what a way to be. What a way to be. Now, I, I would argue that that lady really had reached a great level of maturity. And I am absolutely convinced she counted it all joy. That was the day when my foolish pride got out of the way and said, you know what? If there's going to be cheerful givers, when it's your turn to receive, be a cheerful receiver. Give God the thanks and glory for it. If you can thank the person that did it for you, by all means, that's fine. 
Most Christians don't care what you do with that. Just thank God. Thank God. That's where the praise goes. You know, there's another thing that happens when you get a little older. Your physical body begins to deteriorate. And we really begin to learn the hard way and accept that we are really dependent on God. Pastor David has gone through a tough couple of years. And, and with Satan throwing his weight around a little bit, their son's been picked on with illness. They've learned some really hard lessons, and it's broken my heart to watch him go through it. Um, but God has a plan and a purpose for that. I know David and Julian understand that. And they're hanging on some days. They're hanging on. So please pray for them and others that are in that situation. But our bodies are going to fail us. That's been guaranteed since the fall in the garden. Um, and there's nothing you can do. You, I've been trying lately. I've been eating better. I've been eating these awful breakfast bars they make. They're, they're, car, they're cardboard with a little chocolate on them. Or sometimes they put a little piece of fruit and some honey. But they are lousy. But they're supposed to be good for you. So I, we'll see where that goes. Uh, if, if my pants start falling down, I guess we're making progress. So. But in Isaiah 40, 31, and this is one of my wife's favorite, favorite verses, it says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So even on our decrepit physical condition as older believers, we are entitled and can acquire that very, very power and strength from God himself every day to make it through another one. And, and we're not called to just make it, but to embrace it and have joy in it. Um, tell me if I'm wrong, babe. Have we had more joy in our last five or six years than ever in our life? Absolutely. That doesn't mean everything went perfect. We have adversity in our family with kids and grandkids and all that, and with circumstances like anybody else does. But we have been just joyful about it. And um, I hope it shows because it's not phony. It's, it's the real deal. And uh, once you've experienced that, it's, it's good. You want some more. As we've gotten older, I think this is true as well. We've got a greater sense of urgency about accomplishing God's will for our lives in the time we have left on this earth. We take our responsibility to spread the gospel more seriously. Heaven help you if you are a waitress in a facility that I go in. Because I realize unless you quit, you ain't going anywhere. And you're going to hear about Jesus Christ from me. You will. And I've had every response from um, smart aleck response to sometimes weeping. Because somebody cared enough to stick their neck out culturally and talk about Jesus Christ in a public place. You, you just never know what's going to happen. But I, I'm guilty as charged. And, and that's just how it's going to be. Um, most of the time, those waitresses, when I come back, they still come back over and serve. So hopefully it's had some kind of positive effect. Um, I've probably had about 10 of them break down and cry. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, another time I went to pay my bill, one of these gals who kind of had a smart aleck response was going up, the, and it was a Waffle House, you know, one of those really good dining places. And I reached in my pocket to get my wallet, and here was this envelope that had a handful of photographs of me when I was younger, and I don't remember why we had dug them out. It was for something. But there I was, young, good-looking, standing in front of a motorcycle, another picture I got my parachute on, you know, all that good stuff. And so I said, do you want to look at these? 
I said, that's me. You know, and she looks and looks and looks and finally says, so everybody in this place heard, you were a hottie. Uh, now that did a lot for my ego, but I kind of felt really stupid right about then. So I don't do the picture thing anymore. I, you know, the muscle shirt, all that. Uh, I was a hottie. Awesome. Awesome. But we do have a greater enthusiasm and, and less fear and less anxiety about what is somebody going to think of me. You know, I'm more concerned what God thinks now. I really am. And that's a sign of maturity. When you, you're motivated by what God thinks, what God wants, the love he has for you and, and the plan he has for you, and nobody but you can be you. There's nobody else like you. And, and you need to step up and say, you know what, I'm going to own this and I'm going to act out of it. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. The other thing that you do as you're an older mature Christian, older mature Christian is you look forward to that great hope of heaven with joy. I, don't not, I do not fear death. I'm not crazy about pain, because I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't enjoy pain very much. But I, I don't fear death. I know what's waiting I have a son waiting. I have tons of relatives. I have friends. Um, and, I've, and I've read enough scripture to know it's going to be a pretty neat place. You know, I highly recommend it. Okay. Uh, and and I, I will share a dream that I've had multiple times. I've shared it from the pulpit before, but I think it's appropriate here. I've had this dream maybe 10, 12 times in the last three years. I've never been a big dreamer person. At least I, I know everybody dreams every night. They, the scientists can prove that. I never put much stock in any of that, but this was the dream. I have died, I've gone to heaven, I'm welcome into this gigantic banquet room full of beautiful tables, the nicest uh, you know, linens, the, the, the silver, all of that. And I just see for miles all these tables, and it's the wedding feast of the Lamb. It's the great celebration when Christ claims his bride, which is us, that we're going to get to experience I look around, and we're just now getting seated and everything. I see the table I'm going to sit at. There's like a dozen place settings, and there's a card in front of each one with people's names on it. And I begin to look at the names to understand that it's everybody I knew, friends, family, etc. And it dawns on me that there's a card for everybody in the human race at these tables. It's a big banquet room. Uh, and then as we, get, as we begin to sit, I look around, and not only at my table... But at the other tables, there's empty places. People are not showing up for the feast. And then it hits me. At my table, I never invited them. I never invited those individuals. Now, maybe somebody else did. I don't know that. And they, with their volition, which is a fancy word for free will, said, no. No, Jesus is saying, that's not for me. But I, if, if you're having that dream, I am totally and completely compelled to invite anybody I come in contact with. I don't care how it's received. You know, at least the decision is on them at that point. And you never know. Maybe other Christians have planted those seeds with that individual for a long time. You happen to come along, hit them on the right day. They respond in a positive fashion. You feel good, but you think you're great stuff, and you're really not. It's the gospel that's the great stuff. But it is a pretty good feeling, trust me. Um, But we take that more seriously. We understand what's waiting. 
And you know what? We understand we're not going to accomplish this in our own strength. If you try to do that, you will fail. You will fail. I've fallen flat on my face many times. Fortunately, through God's grace and mercy, I can confess that, repent. He will forgive it because he paid for it already at the cross with his son's life. But we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, which is a supernatural power to perform supernatural acts on his behalf. And when you experience that, and you look around trying to figure out how that happened, and you realize God used you, he filled with the Spirit and used you, I mean, you feel extremely humble and extremely fortunate at the same time. And it's just awesome. So, I, you know, I encourage you, the filling of the Spirit's a big thing, and it's the only way you're going to accomplish this road to maturity. Without it, you're going to fall flat on your face. You know, the Scriptures say, with God, all things are possible, and then other Scriptures say, you know, that we, we, we're going to fail if we try to do it on our own. So bring, bring all the help you can to the fight. Now, along with all of those things that happen as you're growing to maturity, the aches and pains, the bumps, the incidents that grow your faith, I don't want to, want to uh, mislead you to think it's all drudgery because there are tremendous blessings that go along with it. We, we end up with virtues, divine virtues, confidence. Next one's a big one, patience. Anybody in here pass the patience thing lately? It's tough. It's tough to be patient and wait on the Lord. Our worship is better. Our love for mankind and our God becomes incredibly big and important. We may gain great temporal blessings. Many of us have. But God gives you the right blessings at the right time. And that's pretty awesome because they can include material things, wealth, success, promotion at work, Leadership, where you're now you're put in a position to help and lead others and to serve others. Because that's really what leadership is. It isn't here, it's down here, by the way. You could have improved health. And at least in my case, romantic love. Yeah. Thanks, babe. Love you. Here's something else that's pretty cool. If we humble ourselves, this is 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, humble ourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. But now there's this other wonderful concept that I've been the recipient of many times and you probably have too, maybe you didn't realize it. And it's called blessings by association. The mature believer, the blessings they get, those, those blessings are a cup that runs over. They overflow to your family, to your friends, maybe even to your community in service there. Maybe in politics where you are able to serve in a state or federal role. And Lord knows we sure need some influence for Jesus Christ in those places, don't we? So you've got these incredible blessings by association. And that's so that we can expand our impact for Jesus Christ. Um, I am absolutely convinced that my wife's parents, her grandparents in particular, and a couple of my grandparents, um, their growth was the cause of us obtaining many, many blessings. 
that we couldn't figure out where they came from. In turn, as we've grown, we've watched our children be blessed and grandchildren be blessed. And I'm, I'm saying this with all humility. That's pretty sweet to think that's because I said yes instead of no. That's because I, I repented instead of holding on. That I gave up self at times and was filled with the Spirit and did things the way God wanted them. That's sweet to have your blessings overflow to others. It's incredible. Two more items, and we'll get this thing done. But the next one is one that we often don't think of in a positive light. But I've, I've been through this too, and I've had lovely, lovely and great Christian friends go through it too. And we're going to call that undeserved suffering. We can get to a point later in life, in maturity and age, where we can look around and say, Lord, thank you. This is all pretty sweet. I get it now. The big picture is clear to me. I'm going to live out my life and enjoy and happiness and do what I can. And then all of a sudden the cancer hits. You fall down, break a bone. Uh, what, else is, what else is the big C? Heart attack, stroke, things like that. Or, or it could be something else. And all of that stuff, of course, you have the spiritual strength inside you now to pass the test. But even that has been designed for your blessing because what does it tend to do to the older believer? First thing out of your mouth is, boy, I can't wait to get to heaven. So it focuses you on your real home, the eternal truth about where you're headed, knowing that this is temporary. You've been through it before. Your friend's been through it before. So you don't run from it anymore. You embrace it um, and move on. And you're blessed tremendously. In Romans 8, 17 and 18, it says, Fellow heirs of Christ, provided that we suffer in him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now that was Paul writing from prison at the end of his life. <clears throat> he knew it was just a matter of time he would be dead. Uh, the Romans cut his head off. Um, but that was his attitude. It's just nothing compared to that glory. And of course that's true. Now, ultimately, we get to the last stage of this physical life, and God provides something called dying grace. It's the mature believer's final glorious moments of grace and peace on this earth. And if you've had a loved one in Christ that you were there for their death, there's nothing quite like it. Uh, It's a time of tranquility and peace. If they have a level of consciousness that they're eagerly anticipating that time when they're going to cross from time into eternity. We experienced this with Cindy's mom, oh, right at a year ago now, or maybe just shy of a year. Um, In Psalm 116.15, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, can you imagine the freedom that you have in life when you no longer fear death? And as a Christian, I don't care if you're a brand new believer, death's been conquered. It's taken care of. You don't have to worry about that. Don't spend any time worrying about that. You're wasting some of that precious time. Now this last little section, and I'll be done, is where the rubber hits the road. Last Sunday, after church, and it seemed like Sunday was a busy day, we had a wonderful fellowship meal. Uh, Cindy and I went out to... Uh, Lake Michigami or Camp Michigami and watched a closing ceremony of a Christian retreat 
This one was for ladies, called Emmaus, a good thing. And at the closing, the candidates present there, and two of which were from this congregation, uh, they were able to get up and speak to two questions. First question was, what did you learn this weekend? And the second one was then, what do you intend to do with it? And I'm challenging you all today with the same two questions. You've, you've grown. You've probably learned a few things today. Maybe we just confirmed some things you already knew. And that's all good. But what are you going to do? You know, those of us that are in the older, mature group here at Houghton Baptist, we have this wonderful and rare opportunity. We've spent many years growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, and we're thankful for that. And we've watched in the last three years as this church has changed. God has brought many, many people through our doors. Some are students. Some are young families, and most have been beaten down by life. Some, and some are here today, that are homeless. But when you walk through that door, you're never homeless again. You will be loved on here. You will be cared for here. That is a mission we take very seriously. And as a result of doing those things, we have watched this place just take off. I've never, I've never seen anything like this. I'm 64 now. Hopefully I've got about 20 more years or so. I've never seen this in a church in my life, and I've been going to church since I was 22. Uh, I did a little bit before then, but I always took off at Sunday school time. My parents weren't there, so I could take off. But gosh, this opportunity we have here. We've watched conversions, baptisms, in numbers that are just mind-boggling today. And we hope to continue that. So us older Christians who are here, we're, we have this tremendous opportunity and we're poised to be a part of this. To be part of the kingdom work that's being done here. We have the wisdom that our younger brethren need. We are to disciple them, to mentor them, encourage and love them. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial and sincere. Older men, you can serve in this church. We need elders, deacons. Occasionally, somebody step up here and preach for Brother Dave when he needs a little break. Titus 2, 1 and 2 says this, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. The next two verses are addressed to the older women. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. A lot of us older Christians are retired. I'm not yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And what does that do for you? It frees up a lot of time, okay? So why not increase your use of time to to include some of the church's outreach and programs, to, to love on people, to help counsel, to teach, to encourage, maybe visitation of those that are sick, something I never thought I'd like, and I actually love it. I actually love it. Uh, to encourage, encourage, encourage you young people. If you are students or if, if you're just slugging it out in life, you live in a world that's not very hospitable 
to Christianity. It probably never has been, but I think it's a little worse now. We need to encourage you, encourage you, encourage you. Someday you'll be up here. I'm completely comfortable with the fact that it's our turn to step aside and let you all take over. But you've got to take this thing seriously, and you've got to step up. I'm, I'm confident you're going to do it. I mean, you're smarter than we are. All your gadgets, you know how to work. I don't know how to work any of them. You can use technology to beat Satan down because he's using it trying to blow us all up. I can assure you. And one more thing, a lot of older Christians have more wealth than younger ones, certainly more wealth than they had before. Support and sow into the work of this church. It is critical. Um, it would probably take eight pages to list the things that this church does for people financially. And we are glad to do it. We are glad to do it. So be that joyful giver. Consider what you can do. Yeah, it'll look good in an IRA and, and all that. But if you're throwing all your resources there, I think you're, you've got a wrong attitude here. We need to spend some of this money in the work of the gospel because consider the source. And if we're so frightened about what's going to happen to money, and I've gone through this recently thinking about retirement and where I'm at and what it's going to take, what are we saying to you younger people if we're not willing to trust our God for that provision even in retirement? Okay? So we need to step up the plate there well, as well. Friends, older Christians, the rest of you, we've got to stay focused on our God. We've got to redeem the time, steward the gifts and talents we have in our service to the Lord. We need to embrace the opportunity we have here at HBC with great enthusiasm instead of saying, oh no, we're going to need a bigger parking lot. We need more of this. We need more of that. God will provide those things. We stay focused on the message and the job he's given us. God will take care of that. We've, we've got to believe that or our God is not God. Okay? We need to support and encourage our pastor and his wife and others that lead this church. Again, I think they do recognize they're leading from the bottom that we're here to serve. I've taken that very, very seriously in the last year. And I've been encouraged by David, and I thank him for that. We're to remain mindful of our hope in heaven and the crown of life that awaits those who faithfully serve him. We're to guard the core truths of our faith, but maintain our flexibility in everything else. I've watched some grumbling in the last three years as the church has changed. And you know what? It wasn't about our core truth. It was all about the window dressing. The things that need to change as our culture changes, needs to change as our audience changes. And us older people need to really not only accept it, embrace it for what it is. It's a way to further our mission to reach people for Christ. And whatever it takes, we need to do it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, it's no coincidence that you've gathered these saints, young, old, and in between, here at HBC this morning. We're all in this together, and we are all needed to accomplish your goal to reach the area for Jesus Christ. Let us be obedient to that calling. And Lord, today, if there's anyone here that does not know you, please don't miss this. Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. 
He paid the price so you can be reconciled to God. So, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Amen. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Hope Baptist Podcast. We appreciate your support. If you're looking for a church or it's been a while since you've been to church, why don't you come and check out Houghton Baptist? We certainly love to have you. You can come as you are. We do. Also, if you're interested in giving, you can give by text. Just send a text to 906-346-1317 and follow the prompts from there. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast and have a great day. Thank you.